welcome to The Artist Appeals. This is Erin Sparler, and I'm your host. In The Artist Appeals, we interview artists, crafters, photographers, and business professionals about the business of art. I hope you'll join us and enjoy the show. In this episode of The Artist Appeals, I want to introduce you to a woman who has so much knowledge about art licensing. She's had a 30-year-long career developing products for the gift, stationery, craft, and faith-based industries. She has got over a million books in print. She's a best-selling author. Her latest book is called Create, Color, Pattern, and Play, which are coloring books with a twist. She designed them so that others can use them as a springboard for their own creativity. Her Zenspiration books, including Zenspiration Letters and Patterning and the really cool one, Zenspiration Dangle Designs, have got coloring book series and they've been translated into five different languages. She's also a professional calligrapher and she served as one of the founding presidents of the International Association for the Calligraphy calligraphic art (laughs) and was one of the founding board members of the New York-based American Guild of Judaic Arts. She's also been on the board of directors for the Greeting Card Association from 2001 to 2009. And before that, she was the president of the Foundation for the Calligraphy Arts. She also was a co-chair of the Craft and Hobby Association's Licensing and Design Advisory Board. So this woman has got some serious serious experience in art licensing. Please help me welcome Joanne Fink. Hi, Joanne. How are you? Thank God I am doing well, and I'm so excited to talk to you today. Yes, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Things are just really weird right now in the world. Um, You know, we're recording this as we're it's uh, early March, March 12th, as the coronavirus is making its way across the world. But life goes on and we're doing things remotely, right? That we are. And I am a big believer in virtual hugs these days and yes. screen sharing and uh, doing yeah. what you can to stay healthy. And that's what we're going to do in this episode. It's going to be really cool because Joanne has willingly offered to show some of her screenshots. This is going to be a first. It's going to be really exciting. Joanne, tell us a little bit about what you make. Tell me a little bit about your art, what you create, and your company. So I have been blessed to be making a living with my art for almost 40 years. That's fantastic. I'm a lettering artist by training and Uh inclination. And what that means is I started out, as many calligraphers do, addressing envelopes, which was not exciting work. (laughs) Um, For like weddings? uh Uh-huh, for weddings. And then I started doing ketubot, which are Jewish wedding contracts, which are illuminated documents. And And I still do that today and love it. Cool. I've never seen one of those. Would you like to see one? Yeah, totally. Let's uh, share a screen, shall we? We shall. Yes, I will flip over to the screen. So you guys, if you're listening to this, just go to 
theartistappeals.com in the episode, and you'll be able to see this video. We'll share the link there. So I see that you're using Lightroom, which is fascinating to me because um, Lightroom was built by photographers for photographers, but you're an illustrator and a, oh, those are pretty. And so I, I don't use Lightroom the way most people use Lightroom. I use right. Lightroom as my image catalog, my database, uh-huh. so that I can, it links up to where I store my files mm-hmm. and let me find you finished Ketuba images. Ooh. So these are some of the designs that, that I have done. Some of them are ancient and meaning I did them 30 years ago. And some of them, mm. like this one, is relatively new in the sense that it's in my inspiration style. I see. Just to describe this for some of the listeners who haven't seen the video yet, these are beautiful lettered pieces that are surrounded and framed by artwork. Some of them, one of them has a tree with spirals and shapes and symbols going up the trunk and kind of circles for leaves. Others of them have a more traditional feel, like they have um, flowers and framework around them. They're quite lovely. So you went from hand lettering envelopes to making these lovely pieces for, uh, what are they used for? These are Jewish wedding contracts. In Judaism, you can't get married without one. Okay. And I also do interfaith wedding contracts so that Ah. on this one, there is a Christian fish and a Star of David for the two people that I designed it for. And it has the names of the bride and groom and the vows, what they say to one another. Mm -hmm. My most popular text is the one that I wrote for my own wedding. I got married in 1982 and my husband and I wrote our wedding vows. And so that's been a big part of joy to share them with other people who are getting married. Oh, that's crazy cool. I, I never would have thought of that. What a neat market. You have a real niche there. So this piece is two trees with the lettering in between. So it's two trees with their branches intertwined in the middle and in the heart. And then in between the two trees is the lettering. It's just lovely. So you started kind of doing this. And then how did you transition? So I discovered that it was very difficult to make a living doing ketubot, which are specifically for the Jewish community. And as a person who walks in faith, I like my work to bring people closer to whatever they think of as their higher power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started designing faith-based products for the Christian market. But hmm. to go backwards a little bit, in addition to doing ketubot and addressing envelopes, I, in my very early days, I used to offer invitations to the couples that I was doing the Kituboden envelopes for. And mm-hmm. in the early 1980s, I think, 
I went to the stationery show because I wanted to get the invitation books so I could offer them a variety of printed options. And while mm-hmm. I was there, I saw greeting cards. And I saw greeting cards that did not have good lettering on them. <laughs> and it took me all day. But I worked up my nerve and I went up literally to the smallest booth I could find. And I said, um, <laughs> excuse me, do you ever look at new artists? And they said, uh-huh. sure, let's see your stuff. But uh-huh. I, of course, hadn't brought anything with me because that was not what I had come to do. And I went home and I think I stayed up most of the night uh, putting together a portfolio. And I went back the next day and I showed it to that itsy bitsy booth and a couple of other not much bigger booths. And uh-huh. by the following year, I had had 12 greeting cards published. That's fantastic. I love greeting cards. I love the fact that they help you stay in touch and celebrate life's joys and share life's sorrows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have been writing and designing greeting cards now for 30 some years and enjoy enjoy it very much. It's my yeah. first I self-identify as a calligrapher and second as a greeting card designer. Interesting. Was that the uh, New York stationery show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's still around today, right? There's a couple of um, stationary it shows. It's the National Stationery Show. Okay. NSS. And I uh, think I went 31 years in a row. Wow. Because um, it was a big show for me. And mm-hmm. I got a lot of my work for the year from the stationery show, which used to be run in conjunction with Surtex, mm-hmm. but I don't think it is anymore. Yeah, they changed Surtex to, no, wait, that's, I'm thinking different. Surtex is the licensing conference. Then there's the greeting card industry, which has their own conferences. And then there's, of course, the Craft and Hobby Association, which has changed their mega show to Creativation. So there are so many mm-hmm. conferences out there. Do you still go to conferences? So... My husband died unexpectedly eight years ago. Oh, and I'm so sorry. Thank you. It was a rough journey and has actually influenced a lot of the work I do today. Um, uh-huh. Our children were 11 and 16. And wow. Andy and I worked together. He, um, he was my business partner and IT director. And the reason that I'm at all technical is through mm. his influence. And... I became a single parent unexpectedly and did not get to go to shows. I used to go every year to the stationery show, uh-huh. the Atlanta gift show twice, uh-huh. CHA. Um, mm-hmm. I, in fact, co-chaired the CHA license and design section for several years where we brought in art directors from different industries so the talent uh-huh. in the craft industry could show off what, what they did. Uh huh. I guess I was involved in licensing before we had license, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I used to exhibit at the licensing show. And but my world really changed eight years ago. And now that my son is in college, I have started traveling again. And mm-hmm. so I was in Atlanta in January, and it's always a thrill to see the new 
trends and colors yeah. and what's happening in product design. So I yeah. enjoyed that. I hear over and over again from our guests the importance and the benefits of traveling to these shows and meeting people and networking. Patricia, the CEO of one of the, she has this company um, that makes products for the big box stores, thousands and thousands of them, and she travels a lot. Or Michael Woodward was talking about the importance of going to these shows and how he's made all of his contacts and met all of his clients through them. And um, yeah, I know how hard it is to travel with small children. I have two myself and haven't been able to attend in a little while. But if you can make it there, it is really important. Of course, now we've got the coronavirus, so I don't even know how many of these are going to go on anytime in the near future. But hopefully everything will get back to normal soon, right? And we'll all be able to travel and hang out and make great contacts. And I think it's the contacts that are so important. I was on the board of the Reading Card Association for many years. Uh And a lot of the people I work with today are people that I worked with on the board. And Uh it's a community. It's a combination, I think, of people who care about the things that you care about, Mm -hmm. but also gaining trust by working together on, you know, not for-profit projects, but things to benefit the association. And um, and I've been to several of the GCA retreats, and they always have great information. And when the coronavirus settles down, I, you know, I think if you have the opportunity to go to a trade show, even if it's a regional trade show, it's definitely worth the experience, just getting to see the product and how it is displayed and merchandised in the showrooms, Mm -hmm. even if you don't even talk to anyone, is hugely worthwhile. You know, as a designer, we stay ahead of the curve. By the time something's in the store, the trend has peaked and Mm -hmm. is, you know, so you don't want, if you're seeing, you know, peacocks in the store, Mm-hmm. Then I'd be designing peacocks and offering them to licensees because the trend has already happened since there's such a long lead time for mm. you know to get product to market. And one of the yeah. what is the lead time? Like six months? No, it's longer. So the rule of thumb is the bigger the company, the longer the lead time. Mm. And I spent most of my career actually as an art director in the stationary gift and craft industries. So I've worked with a lot of different substrates and most product, you know, and this is all before Andy died. So it's a little bit dated information, but most product was made in China and mm-hmm. I would allow Basically, from when I looked at an artist's portfolio, Mm -hmm. if I looked at something in January, it would be introduced at the shows the following January. Okay. Um, There would be time for developing the line plan and the artwork. And then once that was all approved and it gets sent to the factory, there's prototyping 
And then once the prototypes are approved, there's a month of manufacturing, roughly speaking, depending on the product. There's a month on the water, and then there's, you know, I used to allow a month for it to go through customs and get into the warehouse. Mm. So there's three months right there that you can't negotiate away. You can get your art faster and do the line plan faster, but if you're making product overseas, you really need to uh, allow time. And one one of the challenges of the coronavirus right now is that the factories are severely impacted, which means they're not making product. And so I designed a line when I got home from Atlanta that was going to launch in July. Uh-huh. Came home. I did nothing for three weeks, but finished this line. I was really pleased with it, and they can't get it made. Wow! So hopefully, it will get launched in January. Yeah, I'm sure things are going to come back to normal eventually. We just have to have a little bit of a lull in the in between. Line design. Let's talk line design for a sec. Okay. There were a couple of terms that you were talking about in the process that I think would be really great to define for the audience. So I think you mentioned a plan, kind of like mm-hmm. a pog. This has come up in another episode, um, a, a pog or a... Um... Well, pog is a planogram. Mm-hmm. And let me show you, since we have... Oh, yeah, let's get a visual example. Everybody's visual. Here. We want to see it. So... You've got to come up with a plan for how things are going to be displayed, essentially. Yes. That's what the POG is, is it shows you how it's going to look in the store, right? So one of the things that I used to do at my studio is um, we would do a lot of key account presentations. And bear with me while I no, find not at all. the... If you guys are listening and want to see along... We'll have the videos. Once again, as I mentioned, go to theartistappeals.com to check out some of the videos. Joanne has been kind enough to share her screen with us, and she's going to show us actual visual examples of maybe a POG and maybe a line design as well, huh? Probably more of a, of a planogram. Okay. Planogram. Okay, so these are planograms, and basically... They identify the number of SKUs, stock keeping units, that you can fit on a particular amount of space. Mm-hmm. Um, it tells you the size, how much uh, retail space it will take in mm-hmm. the store. This, for example, was a quilting planogram that I did. And we worked with a quilting expert to develop the layout and the type of product she was recommending to her students mm-hmm. and then put how you would have the products at retail. And one of my staff used to be the, the buyer or manager at Ben Franklin's. And the mm-hmm. first time I did this planogram, um, she said, you can't do that. That will not go back on the shelf properly it's all going to wind up at the bottom and then the the staff is not going to want to put them away and so having different backgrounds on my team from a retail perspective 
as well as a design perspective, really helped us coordinate planograms and know that when we got them into the stores, they would sell well. So Mm. this was a planogram. Usually when you go in to pitch a mass market account, you propose more things than you have space. So why do you do that? Why do you propose more things than the space you have? Because if you only propose four feet of product and they don't like it, then you're out of the running. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you propose 12 feet or more of product and there's a four feet space available, maybe they like this piece of it and they don't like the other piece of it. So you're giving them options. I think that we were going after an eight to 10 foot uh, section of the store here. And so the yellow and blue stuff was existing product. And I Mm -hmm. developed all this other product that including the instructions and the um, stencils. Okay. This was a stencil project. So this was the fastest I ever got anything into Walmart. And I think from conception to uh, in the store, this was less than six months. They wanted to do a one-day quilt kit. And so I put Uh out a call to artists who sent artwork. And Mm -hmm. it was a pretty good success because they had a, a low retail point. So this was almost a collaboration. You used artwork from other artists, and then you made the headers and the text and the packaging and the planograms. This is when I was working as an art director, Uh and companies would hire my studio to develop the key account presentations that would wind up getting them business. And that was before I started doing my own kind of artwork. And Mm -hmm. so, yes, I have many talented artist friends, and I would say, send me whatever I was looking for, and they would send me whatever I was looking for. And we did do some things in-house, like Mm -hmm. this uh, was a line of holiday party crackers that we pitched to Costco for one of our clients, and we designed all of that Mm in-house. And that's some of... It's expanding the planogram, but we used to also do product concepts that were gift bags or greeting cards. We used to do a lot of um, cards for Costco Mm -hmm. uh, through Paper Magic. And um, so we would do all of these as prototypes in-house, and then the buyer would pick the ones that they wanted. And So would you say it's kind of a fair process to say that you design the product, and then you've got to design kind of a line of products, and then you have to design the packaging for the products, and then you've got to design how the products are going to be displayed. I found over and over again that you need... Go ahead. I think that the line plan comes first. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to offer a new line for Mother's Day, the first Mm -hmm. thing is what products do you want in it? Do you want 
a book, a necklace, a mug, you know, a pen, what, whatever products you are planning to put in. Mm-hmm. And then you have to cost, cost them out to find out whether you can afford to include them in the product line. Uh-huh. Because there is, when you manufacture something and then you wholesale it, you still need to make a profit. Um, this is, of course, in the days before you could go print-on-demand kinds of things. And was also when you had big quantities so that all of the pricing that I worked on you know, was based on a minimum of 3,000 pieces. And mm-hmm. sometimes we would do 25,000 pieces. And the more mm. you make, the lower the price. So you have to feel pretty confident that sales team will be able to go through the inventory. Got to be so able to sell it all. Right. So you start with the line plan. Mm-hmm. And then you narrow down. So each product in the line plan might have 12 to 24 skews. So what do they look like? You know, how many flowers do you want? How many landscapes do you want? How many, whatever the different niches are. If you're doing greeting cards, you know, in everyday cards, meaning cards that are sent any day of the year, roughly half of the cards or birthday cards, so that when I'm doing a line plan, before I get to what they look like, I know that I'm going to have half birthday cards, I'm going to have X number of anniversary, X number of friendship, X number of sympathy, etc., etc. And then I drill down into um, how many cards are masculine, feminine, gender neutral, how many are humorous, how many are sentimental. So there's a Uh whole process before you start doing any art or assigning any art. Interesting. So you plan out the whole line of products that you're going to create so that you have a plan. Makes complete sense. That's what a creative director or art director does is this kind of planning. And then they go and look for art to fit into their plan. Mm-hmm. And how do you keep all that art consistent? So, you know, with the appeals system and these interviews, I try and keep things kind of organized by using the acronym appeals. So we talk about art. We've talked about, you know, where you started. And we talk about product because it's really important to turn your art into something that can be sold in order to make money. And then we talk a little bit about presentation. How do you kind of You've had so much great experience with doing these line plans and designing a whole line of products. And then that transitions into the presentation, which is essentially the POG. Do you use like, I I don't know, do you use um, like a spreadsheet to plan all this out and who's going to create it? Or can you share with us some of your methods for organizing so much information? Yes, a spreadsheet is essential. And that's frankly what my husband used to do. He was much more organized than, than I am. Um, mm-hmm. And he would track who was assigned to what part of the development process. And it's, um, 
been an evolution for mm-hmm. for me. I'm opening yeah. up a PowerPoint that I gave, I think, at CHA many years ago because I wanted to share. You asked um, how to present work, and I think that there are theme collections down here someplace. Very cool. So I will capture the screen. So once again, you guys, if you want to see visual examples of what we're talking about, Joanne has been so kind as to share her screen with us. And um, in this one, she's sharing a PowerPoint of um, a presentation she gave at SIGGRAPH, you said? Or I'm, I'm sorry, SIGGRAPH's 3D animation. I get my <laughs> conferences mixed up. The, uh, the Craft and Hobby Association. Okay, yeah. It's now called Creativation. It used to be the CHA Mega Show, right? Ah, here we go. Development of a collection. I love it. You've got tool icons. You've got all these drawings of tools. And then you've got hats and boots icons. So all these little drawings of hats and boots. And then the images of a little boy wearing big boots with a puppy next to him and a giant hat on. And he's got a hammer and nails behind him on a bench and then the text wraps around and at the bottom it says when I fit in daddy's boots so go ahead tell us this is an image that an artist named Sue Skeen did Mm -hmm. and my job I this was when I was the art director for race licensing was to make it licensable Mm -hmm. it's a really cute image but as an art director I know that just a central image does not help me make product. And mm. I need more than a central image. And so I looked at what was here. There's a little boy with his puppy standing in front of a tool bench that has a hammer. And I asked you to paint some tools, you know, and mm. hammers and saws and nails is wearing boots. So I asked you to paint some boots and hats and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then I also asked her to paint me some wooden backgrounds and things that I could use to create the parts and pieces that I know art directors want when they are developing things. And so we did backgrounds and borders. There's three backgrounds here and six or seven borders. Here's another bunch of backgrounds and icons and then it shows them all assembled as finished patterns right so that you can have Mm -hmm. a plain wooden background and then take the tools and have a variation of that background that has the tools floating on it Mm -hmm. and you can do the same thing with a border or a frame that Mm -hmm. if you paint one because today this was not so easy back then but today you can do so much digitally and yeah. work in layers and just repurpose, repurpose, repurpose. Right. And everything's coordinated then. Yes. And I think that that's really helpful for art directors. If you can give them things that they have parts and pieces, backgrounds, borders, supplemental icons, frames, uh, sentiment, and the central image then they can visualize how they might pull them apart. It's also helpful to show how the stuff might look as product. So Mm -hmm. on the left of this page were 
what I call product mock-ups. And on the right, this is the finished licensed product that was done for Burton and Burton. Mm -hmm. And so all of the art was given in layers to the manufacturer and this is what they did with it. So they made a balloon with the little boy and puppy. They made a gift bag with that central image. But then the back of the bag and the sides of the bag have some plaid and coordinating patterns. They made a mug. They made a photo frame. They even made a three-dimensional boot that has some flowers in it. It's really cool. And then they've got everything mocked up and shown you here as a little display with different levels and a hammer set in front. It's adorable. I thought so, too. <laughs> that was the part of my career that I did when Andy was alive. And mm-hmm. basically, since then, I have been doing Zenspirations, which is my my own art and writing. And because I had a background in product development and product design, which are not the same thing, they're similar, but not the same. Um, Right. And I had been in the industry so long and knew a lot of people, it was pretty easy for me to open some doors. And so for for his inspirations, one of the first companies that licensed my work was Burton and Burton, who I had worked with, you know, various clients in the in the past. And mm-hmm. so Joanne is going to share some of her more recent work for Zenspiration. And you've made these wonderful contacts. And it just goes to show, and it never hurts to reiterate, the importance of networking and contacting people and being able to pivot and evolve. You know, we talk about finding an artistic voice, finding your style. That doesn't mean that you're going to do the same thing for the rest of your life. You're definitely going to grow and evolve. Your artwork will will change and develop the more you do it, right? Absolutely. One of the, and I can send you pictures of this. Sure, uh, I'll put pictures down below as well. Mm -hmm. But this was one of the first um, products that I licensed with the new look that I'm doing. And it Mm -hmm. was for Burton and Burton. And they took my little birdhouse and actually used it on the flat art but also turned it into salt and pepper shakers that are three-dimensional. And I was so pleased with how the line turned out and Mm -hmm. now working on a new line for them. I do a lot of scripture-based work, so it's a lot of fun. So you've got coffee mugs and salt and pepper shakers and then printed on the plate and everything, right? And you're kind of using Zentangling with um, kind of almost like it's it's a little scribbly, it's a little scratchy, a little illustrative, right? I don't know. So How would you describe it? I call what I do Zenspirations because I get in a Zen-like state when I draw. Mm-hmm. I 
with an inspirational component in my work. And I was initially inspired by Zentangle. I was in Chicago for the gift show, I think it's 2009. And Mm -hmm. I went to the calligraphy conference, which was there that same summer. And I bought a Zentangle kit that I did not open for months. And when I did, I enjoyed the patterning. But, you know, Zentangle is about abstract patterning. And I'm a lettering artist. And so I did Zentangle patterning for three weeks. And then I decided that I wanted to do what I usually do, which is letter. And Mm -hmm. so... I started doing uh, monograms that incorporated patterning um, on the edges. Let's take a look at some of those, huh? Here, I'm capturing your screen again so you guys will be able to see some of these letterings that she started incorporating Zentangling into. Well, they're just fun. I do not do Zentangle. Right. I, I apologize. No worries, but I promised Rick and Maria that I would correct the difference because when I decided to uh, start licensing Zenspirations, I asked right. them if I could call it Zentangle, if I could call it Zenspirations in part as a tribute to them. And they said, sure. And I mm-hmm. think we all regret that because it's been a little bit challenging explaining the difference to people. Yeah. So, but these Let's are some we can of do it. the monograms that I've done. So Zentangling, how would you describe the difference? So Zentangling is abstract patterns. Mm-hmm. There are no concrete objects. Zenspirations patterning mm-hmm. is perimeter patterning that you put at the edges of a sun, a star, you know, Mm. something that is a physical object or a letter. And this Mm -hmm. is the very first thing that I did for Zenspirations because I am a calligrapher. Mm -hmm. Um, This is where I started. And then I did a book called Zenspirations Letters and Patterning. Mm -hmm. And that came out that will show it to you on Amazon. I love the lettering. It reminds me of illuminated manuscripts, but modern. Yes. So this was my very first uh, Zenspirations, and it teaches people how to draw. And this was my Mm -hmm. own uh, journey because I was not a good illustrator before I started doing Zenspirations. Mm. I would draw things and they were, they didn't turn out the way I wanted. And Mm. so I would double stroke them to get the shape to be better. And then I I would put pattern in between the double stroking to add some interest. Mm. And I was doing that for quite a while before I realized that I had a unique look. And yeah, so it's amazing, you know, there are, I think, upwards of 700,000 Zenspirations books 
in print right now. Wow. And that's fantastic. Some of them are my inspirations, coloring books. And uh-huh. it's really one of the great things with being a teacher is having the ability to uh, show people how to do what you do. Right. It's been my goal with all these interviews, all the research I've been doing, my whole academic career, to figure out how to make money with your art. And I imagine that that's probably what you're trying to do too, right? We all want to do something that we love for a living. Yeah? Totally. Who wouldn't? Who wants a dead-end job? So, after all this research and all these interviews, I've discovered four secrets, the four top secrets to making money with your art. And now I have a 12-page report outlining the four top secrets to making money with your art. You can download this guide for free at howtomakemoneywithyourart.com. That's right, I got that domain name. So just head on over to howtomakemoneywithyourart.com com, all spelled out, no numbers, and get your free report on how to make money with your art. You know, that leads us into education, which is a really great transition. You're an educator as well. And in the appeals system, I have a whole section under E for educate. And it's really yes, you've got to educate yourself and evolve your style, but it's actually more about how do you educate your audiences and share what you do and and um, get bigger? So how did you get into teaching this? Well, I've always taught. I've been teaching since, you know, I graduated college. And I love to teach. And I love to help people connect to their own innate creative gifts. And I am a brand ambassador for Sakura. Because oh, I, I love, love their products. They make, oh. they make the best products. And so they filmed a lot of the videos that I've done. And this, mm-hmm. this one here um, is uh, one that's about the pattern monograms. This was the first video I ever did for them. And it teaches people how to put pen to paper and draw a monogram. I think I draw an R in, in the video. And that really helped the popularity of my books and my products because people would watch the video and then they would buy the book and mm-hmm. sometimes vice versa. And so that's been a huge blessing. and also opportunity. And you can still see this video. It's on YouTube, right? We'll share the link down below. So it, it it's evergreen, right? It continues to help. Yes. And I've filmed a lot of other videos for Sakura, some on hand lettering, some on drawing, some on painting. Mm-hmm. People really like my dangle design stuff and yeah, uh, those are cool. So there's a lot of, of, I have a lot of videos and you can find them 
basically all on my, not all, but you can find a lot of them if you go to my website and then mm-hmm. under the gallery section, my video gallery. And your website is zenspirations.com. It is. And so, yes. Mm-hmm. And so they're divided here by what type of work it is. So these are some mm-hmm. lettering videos and I have coloring and painting videos and patterning videos. So very cool. You have a lot of videos. A time. Definitely check those out, guys. Definitely check those out. So that is really cool. Yeah. You started making videos. Did they come to you to make the videos? Um like in your home or did you travel to them or I've done both. I uh, I had a big home and it was nice. This is my old home on the, at least the monogram video was filmed in my old home and Mm -hmm. as were several of the others. And Sakura sent a film crew Mm -hmm. and we filmed for three days and whatever videos we got done in the three days um, got launched. And then the first video and this inspirations book came out, you know, the month my husband died. And so oh. my life got very chaotic for for a while. But uh, I learned about Pinterest then because mm. about three months after Andy died, Sakura called and said, Have you been doing something to promote your videos? And I said, No, I haven't been doing much of anything because a really challenging time in my life Mm -hmm. and they said well we've had 3,000 views in the last day and a half and I said that's great but it wasn't me (laughs) and they told me they came back the following week they said someone put one of your videos on Pinterest Mm. and I said what's what's Pinterest (laughs) (laughs) so you know that was Pinterest in its infancy. Someone put one of the videos and people saw it and liked it and shared it. And so social media is a huge component these days in promoting your artwork. Yeah. That is such a great transition into automating and amplifying is that social media is the gift that just keeps on giving, you know, a video that you made with a company, got shared by somebody else on Pinterest and garnered you 3,000 views in, in a day. That's incredible. Now it's had more than half a million views. So Wow, that's really sun. cool. And so you've got these embedded on your website. Do you do any other tips or tricks you want to share for automating and amplifying? Like how do you communicate with your audience about new products coming out and stuff like that? Do you have a plan? So I have... A newsletter and a blog, and I invite people to sign up for them. And in my newsletter, I always give a link to something in my Etsy shop. Um, and after I write a blog post, I will put it on Pinterest. So this is my my Pinterest, uh, mm-hmm. my Pinterest page, and I have lots of lots of boards. Joanne is sharing with us in a screen share her Pinterest business board. And so you can see some of that. It's kind of interesting that they now have a business hub 
is what they call it on Pinterest, where you can get your analytics, you can see how many people have viewed things, saved things, impressions, links clicked through, all sorts of amazing information is now available for the user of of Pinterest. I remember when Pinterest first came out, it was pretty simple. You just pinned and that was it. (laughs) And I'm actually, I don't know where you see the boards at this point, but okay. There you go. You got them. So now you've got activity, community, boards, pens. I mean, there's so much you can do with it. So you really like Pinterest. I like Pinterest very much. I also like Instagram. Uh-huh. But my main tool to connect with my fan base and friends is is Facebook. I have a oh. Facebook business page mm-hmm. and I have a Facebook personal page and I have a Facebook group for Zenspirations. Ah. And it's called Zenspirations Create Color Pattern Play. And people post the things that they do that were inspired by by things that they discovered in one of my books, or this is mostly my work, but mm-hmm. this is a good example of Aaliyah, who is the daughter Aww. of one of my color and creativity enthusiasts. And these are pages from some of my books, and she's colored them all. Mm. and. I like to give people ways of making a page their own. Yeah. And so that's that's a lot of fun. But in the in the Facebook group, people share their inspirations inspired designs and and I like building community through art and so that's been a lot of fun too. Yeah. To do. That's fantastic. I love that. Community through art, building community through art. And you really are doing that with both your messaging and your teaching. You're building a community. I am. I, uh, as the years go by, I consider myself more and more of a writer, not, I shouldn't say not just an artist, but writing is integral to what I do. And I have my new book, which is called My Spiritual Journey, is a combination of words that have been meaningful to me um, that I think will help other people on their journeys. And Mm. this is a sample spread. And if you're interested, I can take you through in more detail, but basically it's a way of discovering who you are at your core by understanding um, how your life experiences have influenced the way you see the world, how Mm. your innate gifts allow you to make a difference, what you're passionate about, what you value, Mm -hmm. and your personal perspective, and then use that to understand your purpose at this point in your life's journey and set and implement intentions to fulfill your purpose. Oh, fantastic. It's This is really pretty. You've got a mandala, almost like a, a, um, what do they call these when they overlap the circles? I know it is a mandala, but 
a, a Venn diagram? It's a Venn diagram. <laughs> yes, this is my first Venn diagram. But it's also I was mandala. So proud that I yeah. did one. Yes, and, it's and I do a lot pastel. of that. And you're using that to help find the central core meaning for somebody. I love that you're using Lightroom too. Um, you guys have got to check out these videos once again. If you haven't, check out. I've pieced them out into little videos, put them down below so that you can see um, Joanne's examples here. That one's really pretty. It's like a sun and a moon. And I have a thing for circles. I've been doing Enso for two and a half years. Got like 800 of them. And this reminds me a little bit of, of my exploration of Enso. So that's really cool. I'm not familiar with Enso. Oh, it's an ancient Zen practice from like the 1400s in China is kind of the first recorded Enso where they draw a circle in one stroke. So you start at the bottom, you breathe in, you stroke mm -hmm. up to 12 o'clock, and then you bring your brush down and back around uh, to six o'clock on the breath out. And so it's a meditative practice, drawing a circle. They would traditionally mm -hmm. use sumi ink and maybe rice paper. And then mm -hmm. they would also include a poem about that circle next to it. And it might be the um, mm. artist themselves that writes the poem, but it might also be somebody else. So it reminds me a lot of this wow. work that you're doing here. And that really resonates with me. I have to go check that out when we're done talking. Yeah, but yeah. I, my morning spiritual practice is to wake up and say some prayers. And then I read something inspirational. And then I put pen to paper, and a lot mm. of the questions in this book have come out of pages in my morning journals. Mm. Um, and it's been a real soul-searching and gift to be able to, to do this. It's the first book I've done that's not really a teaching you how to draw a book, but teaching you how to look inside your soul and figure out what's really important to you so that you can focus on it. And oh, I think it's going to be fantastically popular. I think it's going to be so, very excited so about awesome. It. A lot of people are really into this, you know? Yeah. And... And it's nice to be able to share what you do and, as yeah. I said, build community through through the art. And that's yeah. the page I was looking for because, like you, although I did not know what this process was called, but I paint a lot of circles. And right. uh, it is definitely a Zen sort of thing. Oh, it sure is. And it so sure one is. of the one of the income streams, since I know this is aimed at artists who are looking to uh, expand their opportunities. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I do is I have these available in my Etsy shop. Oh, okay. And I decided... The individual pages? No, no, the circles. Oh. I will show you. So I have his inspirations Etsy shop. So you have videos of your process. You have a book teaching your process. You've got an Etsy shop where people can like hire you to do commissioned work. And then you've also got these smaller items, huh? So my Zenspirations Etsy shop 
are all digital downloads. Uh huh. And some of the circles that I used in my book originated here, and you can layer them digitally. And uh-huh. so crafters get to enjoy enjoy this. A lot of the gals in my Zenspirations Create Color Pattern play group, they really like the um, you know, the color your own cards that you can download and, and color and have all the different sentiments. Basically, what's nice about the Etsy shop, and I have some of my monograms that people can download and color, mm-hmm. is that once I put it up there, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to ship them. I don't mm-hmm. have to package them. They're digital downloads. And so I was able to put up a lot of of work and have that available as inspiration for people. And sometimes people will share what they've done with it in the Facebook group. And I, I just yeah. love seeing that. And it's fantastic because it's instant gratification. It's a low barrier to entry. You can buy these for, you know, this one here you're showing and sharing with us. Check out the videos down below, as I say again, is $3.99. And they can instantly download them, print them out, and color them in, right? So rainy Sunday day, you want to do a little coloring. You can grab these and be coloring in five minutes, huh? Yep. And it's a lot of fun. And I try and give examples of how you can color them. And then you can go look at the videos to see me actually doing the process if you if you need that. Oh, that's and fantastic. You've got so many different avenues for people to come at this. And they all play off of each other. And you're reusing your work. So you're not making more work for yourself either. I think one of the biggest benefits of being prolific and scanning everything that I do is that I can repurpose my work. You know, I try and build my files at 1200 DPI. Mm-hmm. Most, most of the time I'm doing a greeting card size file. And, but if someone wants to make a garden flag out of it, I need to be able to have that same file large enough for a garden flag, which might be 18 inches. And if I've developed the greeting card only at 300 DPI, I'll have to redo all of the art. And so Mm. I try and do everything at a high enough resolution that I can make a big piece or a small piece. Very cool. Good tip. Very good tip. And you said you use your iPad a lot now too, didn't you? You mentioned earlier before we started. I love my iPad. (laughs) So I got I got an iPad Pro a couple years ago and Mm -hmm. I just love my iPad. I do what a lot of What do you use? Oh, here I was, I use primarily Procreate for lettering. Okay. And one of the things that I've done that I will I like the screen share stuff. So one of the things I've done that I will share with you on um, I make a lot of birthday cards. Yeah. And so so these are I have written hundreds of names in my mm. iPad mm-hmm. and then I turn them into 
birthday cards or messages and I send them off to people. And I'm thinking of trying to put these into the Etsy shop at some point, but I have not figured out the logistics and mechanics of having, you know, 800 names. So because there is time involved in, in putting things up, but procreate is a wonderful program. I did some of the uh, illustrations for my new book in procreate, um, as well as lettering names. And then my second favorite program is I ornament, Hmm. which is really great for doing mandalas and it's um i learned a million years ago how to draw mandalas using just a compass and ruler in sacred geometry in grad school so i don't know how to do it in the computer i mean i have an app well i shouldn't say that because i've used um seamless maker on the mac is a nice one if you if you're looking for that so there's a mandala maker in the ipad huh it's amazing it is Oh, that's cool. I ornament and I ornament pro and you can do. So one of the things that, that I've done that I just did for the Atlanta gift show is if I can find them in here, which they may not be in mm-hmm. here, here they are. So I did some coasters mm-hmm. and, and these were all done in I ornament. Okay. So they're related, you know, groups of designs. And it's interesting because these are very different for you. They're on a black background. They're more neon. They're a very different feel. Yes. Very different feel. Um, And sometimes it's nice to experiment and to go outside what you normally do. And that's one of the things I like about the iPad is I get to play. Mm. And I think play is so important to keeping our creative spirit alive. Most certainly it is. And when you work on the iPad, you said you record the screen as well? You can record the screen. And so some of, let me see if I have a Can you just walk us verbally through what your creative process would be using the iPad Pro. So you've got a pen, right? And then you've got mm-hmm. Procreate and you're hand lettering some um, buddy's name or you're playing around with mandalas. Like what is your workflow when you're in the iPad? So, well, I'll give you a good example because right now I'm working on yeah. uh, this line of prayer emojis. And so... Mm-hmm. I, one of the other things I do is emoji stickers that are available hmm. in the app store, and it's another cool. income stream. And so I write have multiple. something you do. You know, it's hard to make a living as an artist, and having um, income streams that don't require your time is really helpful. So I don't know if you can over here, but I wrote the word safety quite a number of times. And Mm -hmm. then I started playing around with, you know, getting just the right weight and so forth. And so 
Mm-hmm. So I, I wrote all this in my iPad and then I airdropped it to my computer mm-hmm. and then I opened it up in the computer and I had whatever it is that I was writing. Um, so wisdom for, for example, if I wanted to uh, turn off my good report and so you're using the iPad as almost like paper. You use the pencil to write. Then you airdrop, which is a tra- file transfer method. It just sends it over to the computer, right? And then you're pulling it into Photoshop mm-hmm. and putting in different layers and, pulling. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. and adding gradients, mixing and matching words with little connectors, praying for wisdom moving it around, making different setups. Now, once you've done all that and you got something you like, do you export multiple versions, high-res versions to put out there? Is that kind of the next step? So the next step is to do a file export. In order to do the emoji itself, it's a file export for the PNG format. Mm -hmm. And so... Yep, PNG carries an alpha channel, which means that you can have a transparent background, right? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And okay. one of the cool things about the emojis is that they you can animate them. And so mm-hmm. because they're translucent, you know, they can you can see behind them if there's a heart or confetti mm-hmm. or something. So these are my praying for emojis. And so I wrote out in my iPad, all these words, mm-hmm. and then I'm putting them together, and then they will wind up in the App Store. And I call what I do care emojis mm-hmm. because it's a way of showing people that you care. And Aww. basically, I consider them greeting cards for you know the 21st century. And let me see if I can find. So that's fantastic. So one of your income streams, you've got, we talked about this just a moment ago, is you're automating, you're reusing stuff, you're repurposing, you're making so many variations at a time, and you've got it on Etsy, but then you're also sharing it in the App Store, on the Apple App Store. Um, Can anybody do that? Can anybody start? a store Mm -hmm. on the app, the Apple App Store, and and offer this type of thing? It's a lot easier to start an Etsy shop. Mm -hmm. Um, It took me a year to get approved to be an app developer for Apple. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been really interesting. But one of the things I try to do in my work is create tools for people to use to support friends and family who are going through challenging times. Mm. And so Caremojis is the name of the whole line, mm-hmm. but one of the collections is also called Caremojis and says checking in on you, holding you in my heart, you are not mm-hmm. alone, mm. thinking of you and sending love, what did the doctor say? So there's mm-hmm. 25 stickers and you know you can text them to people in some mm. of the collections. Like my remembrance emojis, you can actually uh, 
put on Facebook or email to someone. And I think that when people lose a loved one, they Mm. need extra support. And Mm -hmm. so I try to create tools for people to use to show they care. That's that's fantastic. It's all about for me. So that is really neat. And where do you go to create one of these accounts? You said that it took nearly a year. So I guess there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through. Is it you just contact support or how did you get into that? How did you discover this? That is a good question. I have a friend who used to work for Apple Mm -hmm. and he um, sort of walked me through it. And I don't remember... If you, I think if you Google um, become an app developer, oh, okay, you'll find the right the right place. I've been doing this for such a long time that I don't remember how I did it initially because I know how to do the Caremoji collections because I do those all the time. But but getting into Apple, once I was in, I I don't remember, and I'm this sort of person that will share anything that I know because I think it's important to open doors for other people, but I can't remember. So that's all right. I think it's fabulous that you've created a line of emojis because when you first said that, I couldn't quite picture what you were talking about, but essentially they're little gifts or little pictures that you can send in a text message or in your phone or whatever, to a friend. And they are very well designed. They're very illustrative and very pretty. They have lovely little sentiments. They really expand on just the silly old smiley face or the wink. (laughs) Yes. So mine are almost all Mm word-based because I think words really touch the heart. And so Mm -hmm. I have um, get well wishes. I the one I use with my kids the most are congrats stickers because I'm always trying to celebrate their successes with them. Mm, and mm-hmm. uh, so that's lots of fun. I've probably used awesome more than anything else. <laughs> it's my son's favorite word. I have shalom stickers, which are uh, Judaic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. phrases and, and images. You've got Oive. Message emojis, which. Yes. Mm, I love it. And that's where we are these days. So, this. I need your emojis. (laughs) So, I love this heart one and the message emojis because if you animate it, it's just beautiful because it's translucent and the Mm. hearts kind of overlap and float. And it's a lot of fun. Well, you have really had some wonderful successes and really branched out. I I just love all the different things that you're doing. It is so unique. I am blessed because I love what I do. and, And I like helping other people put pen or iPad to paper. Mm hmm. And... And expressing themselves, because I think that's so important and so fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I like doing the emojis because it, just like a greeting card is a me to you message, this is a way of staying in touch with people you care about. Yeah. So 
You can find mine by looking up Senspirations in the App Store. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of great, great collections like this. Yeah. So I have one last question for you. At the end of the show, I normally like to ask people about books or blogs or podcasts, but you've got, you've shown us so much and shared so much. I'd rather ask you today what and how you define success. What do you think success is and how do you define it? You know, to me, success is making a difference in the world. Mm. And that's what it's all about, to use your God-given talents to make the world a better place and to help others. Kindness is one of my core values. Mm -hmm. And so doing things that encourage kindness, um, that's success to me. Healing hearts, I do a lot of work in the grief support world. And mm. and it matters to know that somebody cares. And so I try to encourage people to show that they care. Yeah. So poignant with what's going on in the world right now. Well, Joanne, I want to thank you so much for being on and sharing with us all of your experience. You are a wealth of knowledge. And um, I love that we got all these screen capture videos and you really have some neat, neat work and revenue streams and ways to just repurpose and reuse so many. I'm flabbergasted how prolific you are. It's fantastic. So thank you for sharing all that with us. You are so welcome. But remember, I've been doing this a long time. You know, this is my yeah. lifetime's worth of work that yeah. I have shared with you. And a lot of it's happened in the last few years with Senspirations. But, but I'm able to share industry experience dating back because I started in the industry in my early 20s. So yeah, and it's step by I've step, got right? To see it evolve. You've got yes. to take it one like minute at a time. And one tip I'd like to share is to Please. embrace new technologies. Mm -hmm. You know, when I started, we didn't even have fax machines. I used to write and mail things, and fax machines changed how we work, and the computer and Photoshop, and now the iPad has changed the whole creative process. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to be able to embrace new technology and not be afraid of it. So mm -hmm. that's my tip of the day. Oh, great tip. You really have done that effectively. And I'm, I'm so impressed. Great tip. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing to make a difference in the world. I love this podcast and I'm really thrilled to be on it. Well, thank you. Well, that's it for the Artist Appeals. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed recording it. I just love talking with all these artists and business people. It's phenomenal, and I've learned so much. I hope you've learned something, too. You can get more information. You can check out some of the links that we talked about in these podcasts at theartistappeals.com. That's the artist appeals a p p e a l s dot com thanks and have a good one <laughs>